Hello, Robert. Lloyd. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing this podcast with Batman. <laughs> Where is she? Um, more copyright issues? Uh, it's parody. It's legal. <laughs> is that? I'm not sure that excuse is going to get us out of everything. Oh, well. All right. All right. Please try not to be both very aggressive and very sexy at the same time. Okay. Hello, Robert. Big L. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, mate. Where are you? <laughs> I am residing in my house in sunny Perth, Western Australia, the greatest and safest state in the world. Beat that. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, one of the more liberal places in America. <laughs> so, could be worse. Could be much worse. How okay. far do you reckon that is between Boston and Perth? Uh, like, A, way too far. B, somewhere in the region of 92,932 furlongs. Follow-up question. Hit me. What is a furlong? Oh, obviously. It's some kind of stupid American measurement for yards, I guess, which is also another stupid American measurement, which I blame you for entirely. Whatever it is, it's pretty unintelligent. That was a flawless segue into the name of our podcast, Rob. Nailed it. The Unintelligent Chat Show. Welcome. First episode ever. Uh, basically making history here. One of the first podcasts ever as well uh, so i've read i haven't listened to many so i'm i'm assuming that it is you're excited lloyd it feels like when the beatles released sergeant pepper i i remember that feeling as well mm-hmm. was definitely mm-hmm. around we were in our what minus 30s i think at that point they were great years best years of our lives <laughs> so obviously uh we live incredibly far apart uh but uh i suppose we are best friends i guess Uh, I think you're okay. Uh, So we don't get to hang out very much. So we're going to catch up on a a weekly basis, have a bit of a chat. Um, But I think probably most people would find that pretty boring. Uh, So we're going to spice it up a little bit. Yes, we are. We're going to throw chili flakes right on it by talking (laughs) about (laughs) two of the most interesting things that we each learned that week. Ooh, sizzly. Indeed. (laughs) That's that's what we're getting at. Spicy podcast, unrelated to food. Yes, this is not a food cast. Is that what they're called? Food casts? I don't know, but I came up with that on the spot. So maybe, side note, we start a second podcast, a food cast. Copyright. It's recorded. No one else can use it. Great Great. job. Uh, So that's, yeah, it's quite exciting. I'm excited to do this. We've got a few interesting things to talk about. Uh, Interesting and potentially intelligent things to talk about in our, uh, I guess characteristic unintelligent style because uh, as you can tell we're not we're not scientists the two regular curious unintelligent people and we hope <laughs> we hope you are as well if you're too intelligent don't write in don't engage find something else brian cox the uh physicist has a very good podcast if you're intelligent this is yeah. this is not for those people yeah Although, should we be spanning all listeners in the first episode? It's bold of you to assume that all of our listeners are intelligent. Fair enough. <laughs> Probably bold of me to insult all of our listeners within the first five minutes of our I'm excited. Episode. This is going to be a huge success or a massive failure. Yep, I agree. <laughs> Good. All right, Lloyd. 
before we get stuck into it, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Guinness, the finest beer in the world. Potentially looking for sponsorship there? Are we, doing, are we just sending that part to Guinness? Mr. Guinness? Yeah, yeah. What J- James Guinness? I don't know what his name is, but... It doesn't yeah. sound Irish enough. It's got to be like... Uh, Let's not get too racially insensitive with this follow-up joke. James Guinness. Great name. <laughs> strong name strong. for a strong beer. <laughs> yes. Guinness, we are looking for sponsorship and we apologize for any offense caused. But if you pay us, we will be less offensive. Uh, delicious. What are you drinking, Rob? Uh, today, I'm drinking a big black coffee. Because of the 12-hour time difference. And the mildly sexual joke. Oh, I missed that. Very sexy. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. That's good. Very sexy. Uh, yeah, most of my coffees are big, black, and sexy. You like your coffee like you like your spiders. <laughs> Nailing the segues today. What are you talking about, Lloyd? This week, Rob, I'm going to be talking about Nefertiti, the jumping spider. That sounds interesting and in a way very silly which it is is perfect it is both of those things nefertiti is a jumping spider who spent a hundred days aboard the iss circling around the world at however many thousands of miles an hour that thing goes at ah it's probably a few uh for those of us that aren't intelligent which is a lot of us iss the international space station Oh damn! So we've got a we've got a spider knot on our hands. We do indeed. A rack knot, if you will. I will. <laughs> I will. We're leaning onto that. Oh, cool. So Nefertiti, the Egyptian jumping spider, special kind of spider. I believe Nefertiti, the jumping spider, was an American jumping spider named after the Egyptian queen. <laughs> Good. So let's expand on that. Please do. A young. 18-year-old boy, Amir Muhammad, entered a competition hosted by the Space Lab YouTube channel, uh, who were looking for kids interested in science between the ages of 14 and 18 um, to submit different experiments that they could do aboard the ISS. Um, Amir submitted his idea for a jumping spider in space, his theory being that they wouldn't be able to adapt to zero gravity, being that they hunt by leaping. And his experiment was picked, and Nefertiti flew up to the ISS. Just like that. I think there was probably more to it. But A yes. little bit. Uh, I immediately have more questions. Can anyone just send ideas to... I, I have to assume Space Labs associated with NASA. They don't have their own cheeky little rockets that, like, dock at the ISS at the side door, the service elevator. Well, maybe we should start an unintelligent chat show competition. Submit your experiment <laughs> ideas for the ISS, and the winner gets to go to space. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, bla- it's black market space, though, so uh, few less safety protocols, much more illegal activity. It's like Bezos-level space travel. Oh, damn, Jeffrey Bezos. With their own shade. Also, if you're looking for any sponsorship or even charity ideas, we're available. Yes, we love Amazon. They are the best. Not at all <laughs> a rainforest-destroying megagiant. Oh, wow. We're taking a strong stance. Episode one. Good. So, can anyone just... So, I assume not anyone can just submit it, submit ideas to, to NASA or this space lab mob uh, and get well, them into space. Interesting choice of words because anyone can submit ideas to NASA. But in my experience, they respond to very few, if any, of those ideas. 
got excited when you said very few, like you'd had some response from NASA for your wacky ideas. <laughs> is one of Restraining them- order. <laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. Uh, and I have to assume your idea was Guinness in space, right? What Guinness in space, yeah, with me. <laughs> with me. What happens when I drink 15 Guinness in zero gravity? <laughs> <laughs> well, based on what happens when you drink 15 Guinnesses in full gravity, shit show. But, but I fall down a lot in zero gravity. Can't fall down. Fall up a lot. Can you, can you fall? You float. I would just float with less control. Yeah, good. Okay. So, Amir, uh, smart cookie, has uh, got his idea accepted by Space Lab, uh, and I assume executed by NASA. Yes. Which is quite exciting. And they sent uh, Nefertiti... The jumping spider. When I see when I think of jumping spider, it's a a small, very cute one that they used to like bounce around your desk at school. Mm-hmm. Is that is that is that what we've sent into space to see if it can hunt? <laughs> that was my first thought as well. And she is quite small. I watched some of the footage from her hunting in space. Oh, and she was a little larger and a little more traditionally spider looking than yeah. i expected okay but i'm perhaps not as familiar as i should be with the various genus of jumping spiders <laughs> are you not i find that hard to believe with the extensive <laughs> research that you've done for this episode yeah the 10 lines in front of me didn't cover that oh shit how many lines in are we uh oof. four we got oh, we got more got a bit of content um oh yeah. so there's video i didn't see any video of nefertiti is she just like loose in the space station what if they lost her so i have actually two two points on that question one oh, she's wow. in a little um spider container with that has a i imagine it's like a perspex top so they can look at her mm-hmm. and then they have um little mesh doors i think i read that they can lift so that fruit flies can enter her cage and they can watch her hunt oh nice um my second point on that, which has nothing to do with Nefertiti, but it is to do with spiders in space. Excellent. Um, after Nefertiti was in space, I believe this was in 2014, they sent some orb weavers into space to see how spiders um, weave webs in zero gravity. Fact check. That was oh. in 2008. Oh, it was before Nefertiti. Yeah. I think so. Uh, that was my that was my follow up research as well. Um, Just the same page. This back and forth is so good. <laughs> it's wild. I haven't finished on Nefertiti though. So before we move on, well, I actually I bring this up because you mentioned was Nefertiti just loose in the space station? Yes. Uh, one of the incidents of the orb weaver spiders is that one of them escaped his enclosure, <laughs> got into his neighbor's enclosure, and then created such a messy web that the scientists couldn't deduce anything from it. <laughs> and didn't also, when that happened, the fruit flies they sent or whatever flies they sent for them to eat in space, because there's no flies in space, like their breeding got out of control and all the viewing windows got covered in flies and fly lava. So they were like, well, I guess something's happening. Yes, exactly. They, oh. I think they learned their lessons with Nefertiti. Maybe the flies overwhelmed the orb weavers in a kind of rebellion. So what you're saying is that in space, fruit flies are the dominant species. Definitely. If they got out of that cage, the whole ISS crash and burn full of flies. Can you imagine trying to... It's like trying to drive a car with your windscreen full of flies. I imagine that what, that's what it's like. That's true. This is a hot take that NASA didn't post. 
That, yeah. Can you imagine driving like the Starship Enterprise with your windscreen full of flies? How do you even do that? I wouldn't have a clue. I have to imagine there's some kind of space technology to assist with fruit fly overwhelming. <laughs> Specifically. Yeah, sounds, <laughs> sounds about right. Uh, so they did that little double up spider mess. Uh, and then uh, I read that one of the scientists involved in planning it uh, just like felt really bad that it had all gone wrong and wasted everyone's time and money. So she was like, we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it better. So they got four orb weavers, uh, which I had to check, are not venomous to people, but they look real scary. They do. They're not pretty spiders. So I think that's potentially also a reason that uh, Nefertiti, uh, a Racknaut friend, was an adorable jumping spider, is because no one wants to be in space with a big, scary-looking, pointy leg, fluffy, colourful, evil spider. Right? I would watch the movie, though. <laughs> what is it called? Is that the title I just went through? <laughs> yeah. It's Spiders on a Space Station. Samuel L. Jackson's in it. Oh, yeah. Would watch just him on a space station with a bunch of spiders. I have had it. Yeah, you know the drill. <laughs> like that. Uh, so they were like, all right, we're going to send two to the space station and we'll leave two on Earth. And uh, that'll be like the control experiment in normal gravity. And they have to send all females, A, for consistency, and I think B, because males stop hunting when they mature or something. They're just there for making baby spiders, obviously. Right. Uh, but they cocked it up again, and they ended up with two males, because when they uh, sexed, is that the word? When they checked the sex, sexed them? No, sexting oh, is okay. I thing. thought you meant when the spiders had sex. And I was like, I've never heard sex used in that context before. Oh, do you, do you not do that? Uh, no, when they uh, checked their bits, so to speak. Okay. Uh, they did it when they were juveniles because, you know, it takes a while to train a spider to, uh, to you know, wear a spacesuit and put all of its legs through the armholes in the spacesuit and all that stuff. It's arduous work. And they, yeah, they don't live long. So you, you got to get in early. Apparently it's hard to uh, sex spiders when they're juveniles. Uh, and they ended up with two males that are smaller and weaker and less useful <laughs> in general, which doesn't sound right to me. That hasn't been my experience at all, no. Yeah, I am all. strong, huge, and useful. <laughs> Incredibly. Uh, but somehow they managed to get one male and one female on the space station and one of each on Earth. My next question was like, well, then do you end up with a massive spider infestation on the space station? But again, they didn't go into that. So I have to assume it was suppressed. Swept under the rug. <laughs> but then they would have just crawled out again. We are blowing the lid wide open on NASA. Wide open. Um, so then... But NASA, if you are looking for someone to sponsor, <laughs> we are open. <laughs> Always open. Did you read about this, this follow-up experiment as well? I did not. You uh, have gone more in depth than I did. I'm just going to push through then. So they built webs in zero gravity. They actually learned something interesting despite all the cock-ups along the way. Um, oh, so wait a second. Is this, is this the light thing? Yeah, that was the follow-up okay, experiment. Yeah, okay. I thought you meant when they um, continue, continue. Yeah. No, no. Well, they, they spun some webs and they learned some stuff. And since it's, uh, it's your thing that you learned, fill me in on the light. Sure. So they, they sent the, the orb weavers into space, right? Mm -hmm. And they, in zero gravity, were spinning symmetrical webs, which was odd because on Earth, these weaver spiders spin asymmetrical webs. So they knew already that 
something wasn't quite right. And purely by accident, I read, um, they left a light on or a light was triggered on near the spiders and they started weaving asymmetrical webs as if they would on Earth. Damn. With the conclusion being that they were using light as a reference point for up and down in the same way that they would use gravity, which I think is incredible. Yeah, and they totally didn't know that before, did they? They just assumed that they would orient themselves based on gravity and that's how all spider webs then look the same, but, you know, have the same characteristics. Right. It was a pretty incredible adaptation that they just yeah snapped into. Yeah, also, like, when a spider first gets to space, can't just, like, walk along the ground. Does he just, like, float around in his box, like, <laughs> swimming? Well, see, this this was part of my... Further on in my notes, I, I had some, some beef with the Nefertiti experiment. The, you and the Nefertiti. Footage, <laughs> not with Nefertiti. She was great. She's beautiful and she's great at hunting. Uh-huh. I wanted to see a spider floating in space. Yeah, and that didn't happen. She was kind of walking on the ground. I think the footage wasn't um, fully inclusive of what happened. I think her adaptation was that leaping in zero gravity is different to leaping in gravity but she Mm. walked around as if she was on earth i think because they have such good little sticky fingers but are you thinking maybe the footage was was doctored you know similar to how we didn't really get to the moon and i love i love this nasa conspiracy though i don't think the footage was doctored um i think we we just weren't given enough of it we've got genuine spider footage it, the footage is genuine. I think it's just cut down. Mm. But I will say that there was footage of her hunting when she first got back to Earth. Oh, yeah? And that was interesting because she leapt and grabbed a fly, but then kept going and crashed into the ground upside down. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. I would love to that. That was my that. exact reaction. So um, the the so, normal normal jumping, they leap and grab a fly and like land gracefully and then do whatever they do with the fly? The, yeah, normally it's like you don't even see it. It looks like they're teleporting. But in this case, I think she'd been used to jumping to a point where if she just made contact with something, yeah, not, not the fly, but contact with another part of her yeah. ball or something, that would stop her momentum. Mm-hmm. But in back on earth in gravity that wasn't enough and she crashed to the floor it took her a while to write herself again i think the best parts of this are just picturing this small spider having to adapt to all of this um the one i read about it had this wonderful description about how she adapted in space so she picture this she gets to space she's like floating around being like whoa hope they don't video this part which they obviously didn't which is nice and she can't jump to catch these flies. So the article I read was like, she learned to sidle up to the flies. <laughs> I read that as well. Such a great word. So good. It's like sneaky little jumping spider, like inching along up to this fly. Which is what I wanted to see. The footage I saw, she seemed to hunt normally. Ah. Which I guess is cool in and of itself. But I wanted to see her change her total technique. So they didn't have footage of her sidling up to flies, <laughs> sneaking up, being like, hey, you guys want some weed? She... <laughs> Nefertiti is not a drug dealer before anyone writes into us. <laughs> that we know of. She's dead. We can't verify. That's true. That's true. Um, she did... There, there were moments of sidling. <laughs> but there was a leap at the end. Okay. Was it 
was it shorter than normal leaps or was it this kind of like controlled gravity leap? I feel like the space station has more gravity than we'd expect. They call it microgravity. Ah. Yeah. So we need to start sending spiders into like deep space. Just let them out. See what they do. <laughs> Just a funnel of spiders into space. <laughs> that's a yep. that is that's again a start for a, a horrific movie where we end up with you know spiders that have adapted to zero gravity, zero oxygen, and developed weapons. That's a huge leap, but I'm on board. Oh man. Poor Nefertiti. Oh, so yeah, I think I, I dropped the bomb there. She has uh, unfortunately passed away many years ago. We are a little behind the times. Yes. She lived to be 10 months old, which is only just shy of how long they live in the wild. So yeah. I think she lived a pretty good long life. Yeah, having been to space. She also traveled 42 million miles. Yes, she did. She circled the Earth over 1,500 times. That's ridiculous. So I, I have two interesting points about Nefertiti that I did some very weak research on. Oh, that's the best kind of research. Weak. It is. Unverifiable. Yes. No one do any Googling after this. This is all the info you need. Well, that's the worst part is that if you're good at research, this is super verifiable, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Yeah, I'm excited. I think that she has the record for longest animal in space. Really? I think there were two tortoises who were part of the Russian space program in the 70s who were in space for 95 days are they, i couldn't find sorry, any longer than that just on that are they the two tortoises that were the first earth inhabitants to circle the moon i don't know i i, I read that in 68 which is almost the 70s two tortoises were the first inhabitants of earth to circle the moon i love that because i've never thought of tortoises as earth inhabitants before right Everyone here is an Earth inhabitant. And then next to my small, like, unresearched note on that, I've just written in capital letters and underlined, <laughs> Tortonauts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. this. So my research, Lloyd, was done last night um, with red wine. Um, and this was at, this is the second last line that I wrote. <laughs> and it just has Tortonauts. I must have, I mean, I found it amusing now, so it must have been more amusing last night. We will be writing a children's story about arachnauts and tortonauts. Ah, too late, Lloyd. Double segue. There's a children's book on Amazon called Nefertiti the Jumping Spider in Space. Yes, there is. Oh, so good. Was that your second mildly researched point? It wasn't. This one is even more mildly researched. Oh. But I did look into, and uh, one interesting thing while looking into this into this. Um, interesting tidbit is that a lot of people keep jumping spiders as pets there are several blogs dedicated to just caring for them as pets and i deduced that on average a jumping spider will eat an insect every three days is is enough they could eat an insect a day or they could go a week without eating but oh one full insect every three days i think that she ate at least 33 insects while aboard the iss because she was there for 100 days. Yes. I think, and again, please don't write in if I'm wrong, <laughs> that she has the highest kill count in space <laughs> that we know of. The highest kill count in space. Well, we're going to fix that by sending evil spiders into space. They'll be killing everything. Um, that's true. That's quite good. And I reckon Nefertiti was potentially fed at regular intervals. 
So she probably had a bit more than the average jumping spider's diet worth of flies. She could be at 100. She could hit triple digits of kills. Triple digits. Wow. She's a stone-cold thug. Yeah. What a badass. I bet none of the uh, astronauts have killed that many things. No. Pathetic. <laughs> More great movies. I, I have... Um, let, me, let me read the last two things I have. One of which... Uh, we already talked about, so cut that. I did some calculations about jumping spiders and their jumping ability. You didn't oh. do any calculations. I did. I went what? straight onto the Google calculator. Oh, wow. So jumping spiders can jump up to 50 times their body length. Yeah. Which is a lot. I can but do how that. do we quantify that, right? Mm -hmm. If I could jump as far as a jumping spider... That means that I could jump the length of 45 Michael Jordans. <laughs> that is the correct way to quantify human jumping. Yes. To make it a little <laughs> bit easier, I could just about make it jumping over one of California's giant redwood trees. Oh, just about. So you'd like get caught at the top? I would, I'd get splinters at the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair. But you'd make it over the other side. But I think if I did that and got to the bottom, someone wouldn't go... You didn't really do it, though, yeah. did you? Yeah, ooh, good try. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a solid jump. They have it is. springy legs. Springy? Springy. They're small, bouncy boys. Bouncy boys, indeed. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. My last thing that I wrote... Oh, sorry, it's almost the last thing. It's before tortonauts. Uh, <laughs> it's how I ended up with tortoises, is uh, that humans are assholes. Uh, because we've sent so many things into space that aren't human. We're like, oh, I wonder what happens if living things go into space. Hey, hey, you, dog, man's best friend. Time to explore the void. Agreed. It's so we've... pretty, like, I'll go. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. We'll do it. So we've sent monkeys. We've sent dogs. We've sent cats. Uh, we've sent the, the tortonauts, uh, mice, rats, rabbits, birds, and various insects. And the last animal that I saw in my also poorly researched uh, wine-induced <laughs> note-taking, Russia sent monkeys up until 1996, which is, like, really recently. Yeah, they should be morally more woke than that. Russians, though? Yeah. On the other animals, uh, I think the first animals in space were unfortunately boring fruit flies, like, way back mm -hmm. when. Um, the French tried to send a cat into space. They, uh, they got a stray cat and like, you're going to space. And so the cat ran away from the space research place. It was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Uh, so then they had to train another cat to go into space. Um, and I, I think a lot of the animals in space potentially didn't make it. That sounds right. Yeah, it's I went, wrong. It sounds correct. Yeah, <laughs> it's wrong. I ended up on like a kid's website that were like, animals have been in space. And it just said the year and the animal and something cute like was the first monkey to explore the cosmos. What it didn't say was that I think most of them died and didn't make it back. Yeah, they left out the bit where their brains leaked out of their eyeballs. <laughs> that is what happens in space. So I, you mentioned that the first animal in space was the fruit fly. Yeah. So for a brief moment in fruit fly history, they were living in a spider-free utopia. And then we in just space. fucking sent spiders right up there. <laughs> Classic humans. 
Uh, so let's circle back a little bit. Children's book on Amazon, uh, the cover, I assume you've seen it. I have. Is terrifying. As a it child. It's very creepy. It's like a big old hairy spider. They haven't even cartooned it that much. Jumping spiders have very nice eyes. For s- space-going murderers, Lloyd. That is a good preface. For space-going murderers, jumping spiders have very kind eyes. <laughs> oh, Lord, this is working for me. <laughs> good. Uh, so, Nefertiti's picture book. Yes. Uh, adorable, if a little scary, because of the cover. Um, I'm thinking that maybe for the adults, we need a, a crossover where Nefertiti's that badass space m- murderess, murderess, murderer. Oh, very cool. Because, uh, you know, she's got the highest kill count. So I'm thinking who else has a real high kill count? Um, if not John Wick. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one, Rob. And you know what? I think that's a perfect segue. Oh, my God, Lloyd. It is. So what I learned this week. Hollywood's nice guy, or one of. I assume there's probably a couple that people fawn over every so often. Three. Three. Is it three? There can't be more than three. Yeah, well, Ryan, one of the Ryans. Tom Hanks. Ah, Tom Hanks. He's he's not just Hollywood. He's America's sweetheart. Ooh. One of Hollywood's nice guys, uh, Mr. Keanu Reeves. uh, I learned this week that he... Uh, I think I potentially already knew he's a pretty big motorcycle buff, but he also actually co-owns a motorbike company, Arch Motorcycles. And if you Google them, they are incredible. So is this like he, like that they're like a, a model, like Ford or Ferrari or they, they custom or what, what kind of bikes does he make? Well, it is, it's like a, a bit of both. So it's, the company is called Arch. He started it with his mate. Guard, Guard Hollinger. God, how do you spell God? G A R D. Like, is that short for something? The guy Garden. <laughs> Garden Hollinger. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, this uh, this fella Guard was already a custom bike builder, and Keanu wanted Guard to build him a custom Harley, and it ended up taking almost five years before Keanu was happy with it. And basically, the only Harley part they retained was the engine. Wow. So, this guy custom made every part. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like it. Uh, or at least got custom parts in and custom assembled. And Keanu was like, wow, this bike is amazing. And then was like to guard. So, I'm Keanu Reeves. This bike is great that you built. Let's start a company. And guard was like, um, I have my own custom bike shop. Uh, so, I'm good. Uh, but apparently, Keanu was just like... But man, look at this beautiful thing you've created. We need to leave a legacy. We could create something beautiful together in his, like, I imagine, highly convincing manner. Rob, that's how this podcast started. We need to start a legacy. Ah, yeah. (laughs) That's not true. We need to make lots of money. (laughs) Fuck legacy. (laughs) You can cut that. (laughs) Yeah, nah, keeping it. That's the new name of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Gard was convinced, uh, and they started Arch. So Keanu's custom bike was in 2007, a few years ago, and Arch released their first model, the KRGT, in September 2014. And have you have you Googled these bikes, Lloyd? Have you looked at them? I have. They are stunning. It's unbelievable. They're like 
somehow look incredibly futuristic like they could be like a like on Blade Runner or something the new version but still also like super classy is the word I, I thought was the most best way to describe it they they do have a timeless element even though they look completely unique and completely bonkers he's kept i think because he's a motorcycle guy he's kept some design elements that are very timeless yeah ah it's ah, they're, they're unbelievable so they released that bike and now you can get one of three models they re-released the krgt1 uh, every couple of years so the last one was 2020 i think uh, and then they also do a krgt ones and something called the method 143 which is a very cool name for a bike so the first two they call them like performance cruisers which i think is a great name they're like classic american bikes because i think they're kind of modeled off the original harley that keanu got made but they're classic american bikes with more modern and futuristic style and way too much power guess how much power they have lloyd i actually didn't look into that so (laughs) did you not it took me a while because on their website they quoted it in cubic inches which is another silly american measurement Whereas, you know, all bikes are in cc's, cubic centimeters. All of his bikes are minimum 2,000 cc. Holy moly. (laughs) Which is unbelievable. So I currently ride a 500 cc Royal Enfield, which is like an old man Sunday lunchtime ride. And 500 cc's like is enough. I can comfortably cruise at 100 k's an hour. And my bike is heavier and less streamlined than Keanu's monster machines. And they have massive twin engines so i would I, I would die we would die yeah i mean my my brother rides a 600 honda and that thing is lightning they're so quick and that's 600 cc i found that the most surprising part well i think that shows how big they are because harley's are 1200 to 1500 and that's a considered a big bike yeah they look big my lord <laughs> i never want to ride one of these you would accelerate and in first gear you'd already be doing 100 it'd be terrifying yeah how do you just like cruise <laughs> They're called perform- uh, performance cruisers, I guess it makes sense. So I guess the idea is that they're like, yeah, you can cruise on them, uh, but also you can go stupidly fast and you know, some of those big bikes don't corner so well. I think the idea is that these are customized such that they're better at cornering and all that fun stuff that people who go f- fast want to do. I do actually have a bone to pick with the Arch motorcycle line. Oh, I thought they were so good. What have you got? They are beautiful. They are powerful, they are fast, they are owned by one of the coolest men in Hollywood. But they're 85000 US dollars. Oh, it's because they're so stupidly expensive. Yes. That, for a huge number of fans in Australia, is around the 115000 Australian dollar mark. Now, as you mentioned, we are bike enthusiasts. Together. Together. My dream bike, if I won the lottery tomorrow and I could buy any bike I want, my dream bike is a Triumph and costs around about $12,000. That's like quite an expensive bike as well. It's pretty pretty top end. Yeah, of like shop floor models, I suppose. I think if I was driving a Ford Focus and then I went into a Ferrari 458, I'd mm. probably have 10 times as much fun. So I can... I can understand that. Okay. But would I have six times, seven times as much fun on this bike as I would on my dream bike? Definitely like that amount extra of danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess danger is, is fun. So maybe. I guess we're both kind of cruiser guys. And yeah. People that like that like high performance bike might like this. Yeah. I think part of the, the big dollar value 
is that they are custom bikes. So like each one is assembled for the purchaser. So if I were to grab out my mobile and just call Keanu up, like I do often, and be like, hey, Kay, I need a bike. They actually custom build them for each owner and they're like ergonomically fit and modified and got custom trim for each individual bike. So like the base model is the same, but each one is entirely, not entirely, each one is a bit unique because they're fit. Mm. So like I'm quite a tall dude and you're quite a little guy. So if we got the, if we got the same model, they would be different because they'd be built to fit our limbs. Letting that low blow slide. <laughs> I don't know as an average sized human being. <laughs> Averages. Okay. I could, if I could tell enough of a difference between a shop floor bike and a custom bike, but I've also never been on a custom, it could be life-changing. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, until you die turning the first corner. At 450,000 miles an hour. So that's like, just adds to Keanu's coolness, I think. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. going to dive a little bit now into Keanu's bikes. He is like us a bike enthusiast together, hopefully with us one day on the show. He got into bikes in his 20s, also similar to us. So I'm getting, you know, strong vibes uh, when some pretty lady showed him how to ride her bike, if you know what I mean. Oh, I don't. <laughs> uh, genuinely showed him how to ride a motorbike. Oh, okay. That's what he said. <clears throat> I think he probably like winked at the interview afterwards. And then he was hooked. So now he's got a pretty decent collection, obviously of his arch bikes. But he's got a couple of classic Nortons as well, which mm. is right up my alley, like a classic British bike. I think he's got one from 73, which is his first, one of his first bikes he ever bought. Um, and because he's like traveling a lot, doing shoots for, you know, his job, uh, he just goes somewhere like a very normal person, which uh, is part of, I think, Keanu's charm, just buys a secondhand bike rides it while he's doing the shoot, and then sells it when he leaves. That is cool. Yeah, he's just like a nice guy. Well, this is one of the things I love about motorcycles is that even a tiny 10-year-old secondhand 125cc bike, you're still going to have a really good time just, oh. just throwing it around in the sunshine. So fun. <laughs> That's not how you ride motorbikes, Lloyd. <laughs> They're too heavy. I'm so strong. <laughs> wow. I have a arch motorcycle video game connection did you have you found this connection what no hit me so keanu was in the relatively recent huge production value video game cyberpunk 2077 was he in it as himself no he was uh, johnny silverstone i think was the character <laughs> johnny name. silverstone right he voiced it and it was based on how he looked so it was basically keanu. okay so it looked like him so he's in the game. The game's this incredible open-world futuristic role-playing game. Mm -hmm. The motorcycles in this city are based on Arch motorcycles in this ah, game. Ah, that's cool. They look really good. However, wasn't that game a major flop? I think that it had a few bugs when it came out. Mm. Um, I, I got the game. I didn't love it. Um, yeah. And I didn't love it enough that I didn't even get to the point where Keanu's character came into the story. Oh, damn. I don't think that's Keanu's fault, though. No. I'm sure he nailed it, and he was super friendly to everyone involved. Yeah. His name is starting to sound weird. Keanu. Are you going to hit me with the definition of Keanu? Uh, no. 
Are you going to hit me with it? Well, I wasn't planning on it, but I think Keanu is Hawaiian for cool breeze over the mountains. Ah, yeah. It's it's why he's so ultimately cool. I also read this. Everyone thinks he's Canadian, but he's got truly mixed heritage. Mm -hmm. So he's like from Toronto, uh, but he was actually born in Lebanon in 1964, which actually makes him basically my dad's age, but he's like taller, prettier, and way cooler. Mr. Thomas is pretty cool. Incorrect. I think you are talking... (laughs) Don't you talk about Geraint like that. So he was born in Lebanon and then he lived in Sydney and then New York and then he moved to Toronto where he's like most associated as being from. But he's of like a true, true melting pot background. So he's, he's got Chinese heritage, English, Irish, Hawaiian, which I think is from his mum's side where, you know, the name Keanu comes from uh, and Portuguese. So I think maybe that's, you know, part of why he's such a well-rounded beautiful and lovely person i agree maybe we should all just try and get along we should try damn it we should try (laughs) such a strong message do you learn anything else about keanu our mate i did learn another thing about keanu he is a poet and he didn't even know it tell me more i don't (laughs) shut up What, what do you mean what kind of poet like just in life I can't remember if it was a friend of his or uh, an artist published a book of poems and he has one, at least one in there. Now, it was difficult to find more because you have to buy the book. Mm. I'm not going to buy a book. Oh, are you going to read me the poem though? It's probably too long to read in its entirety. Okay. But the opening two lines are so good. Hit us with the title and then the opening two lines. It doesn't It doesn't have a title. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> it's, it's in a book that I didn't write the name down for. But if you Google the first two lines, many, many listeners, you will find it. Mm. And the first two lines are... Wait, wait. Uh, I'm, oh. I'm just going to close my eyes and listen. Okay. All right, I'm ready. I draw a hot sorrow bath in my despair room. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Do you want me to keep going? Because there's yes. more. <laughs> With a misery candle burning, oh, I man. wash my hair with regret shampoo. <laughs> so many good business ideas. <laughs> regret shampoo. <laughs> it is more. After cleaning myself with... <laughs> I can't even say it. Do it. <laughs> After cleaning myself with pain soap, <laughs> I dry myself with my gorgeous white 100% and it will never change towel. <laughs> Then smooth on my I don't deserve lotion and I hate myself face cream. <laughs> then I put on my alone again silk pajamas and go to sleep. When the hue has gone blue and you can't quite grin and bear it, let this word picture remind you it can always be worse. Yes. Oh, it started hilarious, ended deep. Yeah, and I found, before I found the poem, I found the references to him being a poet and i thought oh man his poems are going to be so deep they're going to be really good and i didn't expect them to be so hilarious and depressing at the same time yeah i've just done a cheeky google because regret shampoo is amazing it's just like one poem and it's a it's like a little illustrated book with one line on each so kind of like a Oh, it's called a grown-up children's book, and someone's illustrated each line. I don't think that's the the book that it was originally published in. It was oh. a collection of poems. Oh, of genuine poems. But I would love to find more of this hilarious brand of depressing bathroom-related poetry. <laughs> I hope they're all about bathroom activities. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, no, Lloyd, it's not serious poetry. What if I- The book started out as a private joke between friends. Well, I assumed that the incredibly talented Counter Reeves did not sit down with tears in his eyes and write, <laughs> I draw a hot sorrow bath. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's stunning. Ah, uh, Keanu, he's full of, like, wonderful surprises. Yeah. He was in a band. Did you know that? I did know that, but I didn't look into it. He played bass in a band called Dogstar, which I don't understand, but I think it's cool. I'm going to listen to them later, but they've released multiple albums and have toured, at least in the US. I did read that some of their fame was partly because, you know, Keanu was in the band. But, like, to release multiple albums, that's that's pretty legit. I did hear, or I didn't hear it, I read it, that he took some strength as an actor from the fact that they had been booed off stage a couple times. So. Oh, they were that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's upsetting. <laughs> you yourself are in a rock and roll band, Rob. Have you ever been booed off stage? We've ne- and I think our friends are too polite. We just, like, golf clap and nod. <laughs> that's all I ever wanted from my music. <laughs> Funny little offshoot. You know the incredibly famous band Weezer? I do. Their first ever gig in 1992 was in support of Dogstar. So basically, Keanu made Weezer happen. So yeah, we have Keanu to thank for Teenage Dirtbag. Ooh, you got your bands mixed up, son. That's Weetus. Right. <laughs> Let me start that in. We have Keanu to thank for Island in the Sun. Yeah, That's we do. That's Weezer, right? Uh, I, there we go. I'm not even going to. Let's take a quick pause. Weezer hits. <laughs> <laughs> Hashpipe, Island in the Sun. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it at that. I'm going to have a controversial opinion here. I think Keanu Reeves is very cool. It's very handsome. Yeah. He makes very beautiful motorcycles. Yeah. I don't think he's a good actor. Oh, that is a controversial opinion. I you son of a bitch. A <laughs> Podcast over. Yeah, friendship over. You don't think he's a good actor? I don't. I, I thoroughly enjoy John Wick. I enjoyed The Matrix. Speed, all-time classic. I just don't think he's a good actor. He could be a little one-dimensional. Potentially. He was in uh, Bill and Ted, though. A yes, whole different I, thing. he is quite funny in that. All right, well, before my friendship's over, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to explore that any further, Lloyd, because i got nothing else to say to you about it. <laughs> uh, guess how much Keanu is worth. Ooh, okay. He's got The Matrix money and the John Wick money. Ooh, yeah. That just keeps piling in. I don't think Arch has made him much... Uh, he's he's done quite a lot of movies. Not all of them have been hits. I'm going to stab him in the ramp. <laughs> That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> I, I didn't think you didn't like him that much. Oh, man. I'm going to take a stab in the relative dark and throw him in the range of the 150 million. Ooh, okay. He is worth approximately 360 million. But yeah, it's mostly to do with The Matrix and his huge success in those movies. Like you say. Arch Motorcycle, I think, is more of a passion project than a moneymaker. All right, Lloyd, we must be coming up on time. I did a little research on, you know, based on the original fact that Keanu's got an incredibly cool motorbike company. He's a lovely guy. I, I looked up the opposite. Celebrities that have bad products. Ooh. And I might just quick fire them for you. Fire away. <laughs> Maybe you should give them a rating. Would buy out of 10. Yeah, one would be, I wish they'd never been born. Yep. And 10, I would spend money on that product right now. Yes. All right. Okay. Jessica Simpson's edible cosmetics. <laughs> one. <laughs> Ooh, harsh. Sylvester Stallone's protein pudding. Uh, seven. Is it because it has pudding in the name? Pudding and Sylvester Stallone. All right, I think, cool. I think this is my favorite one. <laughs> I want you to guess what it is first before you rate it. <laughs> I can't. 
Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu. Yep. I'm going to... Sha- Shaquille O'Neal? Yep. Okay. Is this some kind of... So here's where my brain went. Yep. Is it either a noodle dish Ooh. or did he create his own brand of martial arts? Oh, so close. <laughs> it's a martial arts video game starring Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> oh, Lord. I want it. Uh, it's... It apparently has been rated the worst video game in history. <laughs> Incredible. But because how silly it is, probably based on a similar reaction where you would spend money, this is a highly unresearched. In 2018, there was a crowdfund to release a sequel because everyone was like, this is so dumb. Let's have another one. <laughs> and it was called like Return of the Legacy Returns or something. Oh, uh, just so good. Shaq Fu, so good. Uh, I think that's probably all we have time for, Lloyd. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you choked to death instead. Well, it was either make no noise or as soon as I made any noise, I would cough. Yep. So I just chose okay, no good. noise and hoped you would pick up the slack. The end of every episode, uh, one of us dies. <laughs> it's a short-lived podcast. Two episodes. The second one is just you alone in a room talking. <laughs> would not listen. I think we can safely say that that was quite unintelligent. Safely say. Excellent. Uh, What if people want to correct us on all of our poorly researched facts, Lloyd? What do they do? If you have complaints, (laughs) you can reach us at the UCS pod on Twitter, or you can email us at the UCS podcast at gmail.com because we can't afford a custom domain. Correct. Only complaints, though. Yes. Keep your positive praise to yourself. Thank you. Uh, all right. So, until next week. Cheerio. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-